Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Good evening and welcome. For those that are new, I am Pastor Daniel. And I'm excited that I get to share with you guys tonight. I get to pray for some people tonight. And God is going to do some amazing things. Um, Tonight, we are talking about healing. And I get excited because this is a subject that everybody wants. Like, there's some things you talk about it and people are like, "Mm." Like, you talk about money and and they're like, uh. If If you tell them that God wants them poor, they're mad at you. If you tell them that God wants them blessed, someone else is mad at you. Like, it doesn't even matter. What way you go, someone's mad, except for healing. No, actually, I think some people still get mad, but that's their problem. But here's the, they, all of us want healing at some point. And some of us want it a little bit because we're like, you know what? I just like this headache to go away. It'd make my day a lot better. And other people are like, I need healing or the doctor said I won't have another birthday. And like there's a, there's a difference in their intensity of the need, but I feel like it's something that all of us relate to. And if you have never needed healing, that's amazing. But as I was looking at this, I I got looking at some of the different Bible verses, and there was a Bible verse that's supposed to be really helpful. Uh, I say supposed to, because when I first read it, it struck me like an unhelpful, duh, moment. So 1 John chapter 5 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And I read that, and I looked, and I was like, duh. If we ask what he wants, he's going to give it to us. I'm like, who needs to be told that? And as I was looking at this, I'm like, my, my first reaction was just kind of like this, duh. And then it was like, okay, then what you're telling me is it's important that I figure out what he wants. Because faith is so important. And so I was looking at this and I, and I wanted to start really basic. God wants you well. God wants you well spiritually. God wants your soul to be well. And he wants your body to be well. And it's easy for us to categorize and to be like, God just wants to save everybody's spirit. And then other people are like, no, he just, well, yeah, maybe. And then he he wants to heal their bodies. But if it's your mind, tough luck. And other people are like, no, no, no. He wants to heal their mind, but their body, tough luck. And, And it's easy to get this like divided up. But when we look in the Bible, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that it all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And he begins to talk about it both in your, in your, your life and in your soul. In 1 Peter 2.11, we're actually warned that, that these different sins and desires of the flesh wage war against your soul that he is warning us against. Because God isn't just concerned with you spiritually. And a lot of people think that God's desires for them start when they die. And that's, that's a lie from Satan because he's trying to get us to miss out on all that God has for us in this life. 
But God has, has this, this plan for you. And he came to heal the broken of every type. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Luke 4, 18. Jesus comes and he's going to declare, this is my job description. This is my mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Now, I read that first because he covers the brokenhearted, which is a massive need that's often overlooked. That God goes, I want to heal your body, but there's a lot of people that are struggling mentally with anxiety, with depression, with fear, with broken hearts. And he goes, I want to heal those too. And as I read this, I was like, you know, it doesn't outright say, I want to heal the sick. But then I looked at Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. I went back to Luke 4.18. To set at liberty all, liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus' definition of sickness was to say that you were oppressed. And he goes through and goes, he came to heal them. This is part of his job description. And a lot of times we read this, we hear this, and we're like, yeah, but where does sickness come from? Are you sure that God didn't give it to me? And, and we have to understand that God's desire was never sickness. If you open up your Bible and you start it out and you go, all right, God, when you created the world, what day did you create sickness on? Like, for real, like you go through and you're like, all right, here's what he's making on this day. Here's what he's making on this day. Nowhere in that list do you find, and here's where he made viruses. Colds, cancer, it's not in the list. And you go, well, well, where do we see it come in? And in Genesis chapter three, we see sin come in. God goes, here's what not to do. And they went and did that. And when they did, they gave authority over to Satan. Um, Marilyn Hickley said it this way. She said, Adam and Eve opened the door to sin and sin opened the door to all Satan's work. Sickness and sin are Siamese twins. When, when sin came in, it brought sickness. It brought death. There is an enemy, the Bible says, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we have to recognize that because if we don't, we blame everything that he does on God. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, there's, there's this, okay, if, if you've never read through the book of Revelation, it is interesting. Weird. And it's going back and forth between like these different types of pictures and people argue over which pictures are literal, which pictures are figurative, and some of them are obvious and some of them are less. And so I'm reading through this and he's, he's telling you this, this image of, of how there's this woman, which is obviously not a woman. It was a, like a nation. He's going through going, she's going to give birth. It's the promise of Jesus coming. And it talks about this dragon who is the enemy, who is the devil, who's out to stop her and he tries and he fails and the Messiah comes anyways. And it says, then the dragon became furious with the woman 
and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And I was like, okay, is he talking about all of us or is he just talking about the Jews because this promise was that the Messiah would come through them? But the verse goes on. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So, okay, that clarifies it. That's me. That's you. He goes, Satan goes, well, I couldn't stop God. I can't walk up and punch God in the face. So who's he love? Let me go attack whom he loves. Like, we, we understand this concept in the simplest form. Anyone ever watch a superhero movie? Do you know what they all seem to have in common? Or almost all of them? A secret identity. Why? Because bad people do bad things. Villains would hurt their loved ones. They got their, their, uh, their MO from the devil. And his, his plan was, well, if I can't take out God and God loves you, can I hurt you? Because God may be beyond my ability to directly hurt, but you hurting hurts him. And when we recognize that we have an enemy, we recognize that when we sin, we open up a door for the devil, we begin to understand where it's, where it's coming from. But God's desire is to bring health and to bring healing. In Acts 10.38, he said, For God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. First off, he, he, he declared that healing was good. Next, why did he heal? For God was with him. In God's presence, there is healing. There is wholeness. And a lot of times people sit here and they're like, no, no, God's... God's trying to teach me something right now. That's why I'm miserable and ill. And there is, there is a level of we can learn that when we open the door to the devil, we get hurt. If I tell my kids not to touch the hot stove and they touch it, they get burned. That is not my consequence. I tried to save them from that and they refused my protection and reaped what I was trying to protect them from. There is plenty of that that goes on. But part of this, this problem is bad theology messes people up. And there has been teaching that has happened because people couldn't understand how can God be powerful and there be bad things. If God is powerful and there is bad things, and and you got to hand it to them for trying. They're like, well, then God must have a good purpose for the bad things. And so they're like, I don't get it, but God's smarter than me. That's why he gave me cancer. And you're like, um, let's look at the Bible. And when I, I look at this, you have to a answer a very simple question. Is everything that happens God's will? And a lot of people get stuck on the fact that if God's powerful, it must be. But if you fall prey to that lie, then things get really messed up really quick. And if you've had a really good life, you can believe that lie and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. 
But if you've been raped, if you've lost someone that you really love, if you've had horrible sickness, and then someone's like, everything that happens is God's will. You're like, what an awful guy. And it's this, this twist. But the Bible tells us that Satan goes to blaspheme God, to blaspheme his dwelling and those who dwell there. And so Satan tries to paint this lie that God is evil. But you can break it down pretty easy and go, okay, if, if God gives me instructions, does he want me to follow his instructions? Yes. Okay, one of the instructions that he gave all of us was to love our neighbor as ourself. Right. You ever encountered somebody who didn't love their neighbor as himself? So you're telling me you encountered something that wasn't God's will. If someone walks up and punches somebody else, do they have the freedom or the power to do that? Yes. Does that make it God's will now that they did it? No. And when we understand that he gave us this free will, it becomes powerful. And to just lay it out in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 3 ends and says, God our Savior, verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. God's desire is that everybody would be saved. Is everybody saved? No. Not according to Jesus. Matthew 7, 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. So the Bible very clearly says, this is God's desire. Yet, this is happening. And when we don't understand that we have free will and we don't understand that we have an enemy, we blame a lot of things on God. And we can figure out that there are some things that are our own stupid. I don't know if you've ever been hurt by your own stupid. I have. Um, I remember laying carpet with my brother and he was laying carpet in the basement. And as the grunt worker there, my job was to lay tack strips in concrete, which is not fun. And so you have this little strip of board that's like this big, filled with tacks that are sticking out, and then a little concrete nail that you have to nail in. And if you wiggle it, when you're hitting it, it cracks the concrete and splits it instead of puts the nail down. So you've got to hold it really tight, really close, without getting stabbed by the tacks. But it's concrete, so you have to hit the hammer on the nail really hard. Some of you guys see the recipe here. So like, bam, bam, bam! And then you're like, it literally split my finger open. Like it hit the side of that tack strip and split it open, but the job wasn't done. So you just like take a paper towel and some duct tape and then move on till that one's too large. And then you move on. I had three fingers that were duct taped in a row. There was no devil to blame for that. That was just stupid. Me, I was guilty. So we see that. But did you know that when someone's stupid, they're not the only one that's affected. And sometimes we're dealing with something because somebody else was stupid. If we have a hangout, everybody's there, and there's a fence, and on the other side of the fence, there's a bull that is incredibly mean and likes to gore people, but they have him fenced in, so we're safe. But do you realize if an idiot goes and opens the gate and then runs, the idiot is not the only one in danger? Is that fair? 
when we sin, Satan is far worse than a wild bull. And sometimes we see it when it's really direct and you go, okay, hey, that guy got drunk and was driving and when his stupid choice affected somebody else when he crashed and he's not the only one in danger. But sometimes we don't recognize it because sometimes someone's greed, someone's sin can be a lot sneakier. Somebody may go, you know what? I'm gonna cut this corners in my business and I know this is bad for all of my customers. I know that this may be unhealthy for my customers, but it's gonna make me more money. And we look and we go, well, well nobody did anything wrong here to deserve this cancer, to deserve this disease. Maybe. Maybe somebody else left the gate open. Maybe it was somebody who directly did it because of the products that they're selling in a way that they knew was harmful and didn't care because they were greedy. Maybe it's because you're great, 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 and I, we're not going to go all the way greats up to Adam. <laughs> Open the gate. And in came sin and destruction. And when we recognize that that's a thing, when we recognize that that let them in, we can start to recognize that its presence doesn't mean it's God's desire. But so many people hold on to that that they miss out and they can't even pray in faith because they don't, they don't know God's promises. They don't know his word. They're not sure what he wants. I remember um, a lot of years ago, Okay, it was 2005. 2005, I was in Amanda's apartment with her and her roommate and a few other people. We were all hanging out. And in somebody comes like barreling through the door because uh, they knew that there was all these people there. So they come flying in. They're like, hey guys, I need you to stop. And I need you to pray. And we're like, okay, what's going on? We're like playing cards. What's, what's happening here? And they're like, dude, I just, I got this report that my cousin is going through it. And they just started listing these like serious health issues. Somebody's life was on the line. They were in intensive care. They asked us to pray. And so we went to pray and, and the girl who jumped up to pray first starts this prayer out. God, if it's your will, and I'm looking and I'm like, Do you not know my Jesus? I don't think you know him. I gotta show you something. I just saw the coolest thing. In, in my Bible, this week, in Exodus, chapter 33, Moses says, God, show me your glory. And he goes, God's response in verse 19 of 33 says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name. He goes, you want to see this? You want to know who I am? I'll tell you who I am. But I'm going to sit you here in the rock and cover, my, cover your face with my hand for a moment because who I am is more than you can handle. And, I, and I've read that I don't know how many times, but I didn't connect it to chapter 34, verse 6. If you just follow the story, though, this is connected. And God says this. 
The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithful, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, for thousands, forgiving iniquities. And he goes through this list and he declares that he is full of love and mercy. He goes, That's who I am. That God wants us well. That God wants us healed. See, this is God's desire to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. When you look at Jesus' life, like when you want to go, okay, what does God want? Let me look at God. He, he gives us this glimpse of him here. In Hebrews chapter one, he goes through and says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So if I look and go, okay, if I look at Jesus, what happened when Jesus encountered sickness? And you look and you, you don't ever see Jesus go, hmm, you're sick. That's my plan. <laughs> Enjoy it. Never. You find, in fact, sometimes we get this idea that he only healed because he was Jesus, because he was on this mission, and because he wanted to be seen. But do you realize that almost all of the healings that are recorded in your Bible in detail were interruptions? The, the healings that Jesus did on purpose, most of them are recorded like this. Jesus was teaching. They gathered all of the sick. He healed them all. And that's the detail. But when he's walking by and a blind guy's like, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. You get the story as he calls him up and goes, hey, what do you want? And that's just a really crazy question because what if the blind guy had looked at Jesus and said like, I got a headache. Do you realize he might have just left with his headache healed? Because I want to see. And Jesus is like, great. According to your faith. And he, and he heals him. And we go through this and over and over and over again, you find Jesus, he sees them. In Mark 141, Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleaned. He sees a funeral, sees a mother weeping. He had compassion on her, said, do not weep and raised her dead boy. 30, I think it was 31 out of 36 of the, the miracles and the healings were interruptions. Jesus was there teaching and somebody rips the tiles off the roof and lowers down. Excuse me while I interrupt your sermon. And Jesus doesn't go, what do you, do you not see I'm making a really good point right here? Bad timing, wait till the end. This is your punishment for being rude. Like there's, there's none of that. Jesus' response was to heal him over and over and over. He goes, oh, you're sick. Not, let me heal you and let them see me. Excuse me, can we get you in front of everybody? Yep, yep. Hey, everybody, did you see this guy? He's crippled. I'm going to do something awesome because I'm Jesus. You never see that. You do see him heal somebody and go, hey, don't tell anybody. 
The only time he tells them to tell somebody is when they kick Jesus out. And he goes, you go tell them what I did for you. And, and it changed that city if you, if you check things out. But, but what I want you to see is that when Jesus encountered sickness, sickness had to go. Jesus' desire was to see them healed. When you look in the Garden of Eden, you don't see sickness until after sin. If you look in Revelation chapter 21, you look at go, what's it going to look like when Jesus has dealt with sin? When sin is no more and Satan has been dealt with and you find that there's going to be, God's going to be with man. They will be his people. He will be their God. You see this closeness with God and there'll be, he'll wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, or pain. For the former things have passed away. He goes, when I have my way, there is no sickness and there is no pain. And you go, well, well, how do I know that's his desire for me right now? Well, he told you how to pray. Remember, if I pray according to his will, I know that that's, that, 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 that's for me. But he tells me how to pray. His disciples ask, how do we pray? Matthew chapter six, verse nine. He goes through and he says, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? So when he says, pray like this, he's telling you my desire is that you would experience that you would have no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. He goes, this is my desire for you. I want you to be healed. I want you to be whole. And, and, and it hasn't stopped. And there are people who go, well, didn't it stop, you know, years and years ago? No. And I was trying to decide. I, in my notes, at first I just wrote stories. Like, at this point, I should just tell stories. Because God likes to heal people. And some people are like, well, does, is he still healing today? This afternoon, I went, okay, I got to pick my stories. And I looked, just this year, I have a document of where I stick praise reports. And people go, here's what we prayed for, and here's what God did um, through seven at seven, you know, as we gathered with seven at seven, I got 23 pages of testimonies. There is so many, and I just started looking through it, and in another document, Susan was watching us from Florida when Pastor Duane started praying for people, and she was healed, and her, her shoulder that was frozen, and they were going to have to do surgery, was, was healed. Um, I remember praying for David, who had cancer in his spine, and David was healed. I remember playing, praying for people in here who had blood issues and circulation, circulation issues that were healed on the spot. We had somebody this, uh, a couple weeks ago in Afghanistan at one of the refugee camps um, who who didn't even believe in Jesus yet, and they kept speaking and preaching to her, and she was not having it, but she had a big old tumor on her neck, and it was, it was going to be the end of her. She was starting to have trouble breathing, and they kept praying, and then she kept telling them not to, um, until the one, one day she comes running out yelling that Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. And they went through and said, what happened? And she had prayed and the, the tumor was gone. God is still moving today. And he's, he's moving. It is so good. It's, it's worth praising him. But it, it's, it's true physically. Uh, uh, Audrey had just said, hey, I just was, God just delivered me from depression. Sandra had said, hey, you spoke it out. You declared it during service to those that were online and my ankle was healed. Um, Chelsea said, um, 
She, Chelsea was watching one of our healing services this, from the last one and said, hey, I got on a day late. I watched it online and I was instantly healed after I prayed. I want you to understand that God is still healing today. That's his promise then. That's his promise for today. There is so much. God is so good. But here, I know this. But I remember thinking, um, I don't know if you ever have this, but sometimes something happens and it reveals a lie that you've believed. My wife um, was diagnosed with factor five. Um, it's a blood issue. Um, and in the, with that blood issue, it means your blood clots abnormally well and can be problematic. And so... I remember praying for her, but I was praying a more spiritual version of if it might be thy will. Because I had like justified that God wants the best for her and was like, well, it's not like it's killing her right now. And maybe God's got a plan and knows that there's something coming that, that she needs her blood to clot really well. And so maybe this thing is actually a blessing in disguise. And then I was reading my Bible, which is a good thing to do. And Jesus heals a blind man in Mark chapter 8. And this blind guy can't see. And Jesus prays for him. And then he goes, I see men walking, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus didn't go, oh, you know what? That's because if you had 20-20 vision, you would be looking off of a cliff and you would trip and fall and die. So half miracle for you, it's for your own good. Nope. Jesus just looked and goes, okay, let's pray again. Jesus didn't question God's will because he prayed once and didn't see it. And I read this and went, I'm trying to find God's good purpose in it because I didn't see it once. Hmm. Jesus or me? One of us is wrong. I think it's me. But it's so easy to go, but if, but if it's mine, wouldn't I just experience it? No. My wife illustrated this for me beautifully this week. So um, somebody in, in my department switched apartments, and so I had been a little bit shorthanded, and my wife was like, here, I'll help you out. So she came in, she was sitting at his desk, and was helping me with some different things. And uh, after the one day, she complained that the seat was uncomfortable. I'm like, mm, sorry. And I, I, I come back, and I'm like, I see her just kind of like, oh, I'm like, oh, is your seat uncomfortable? I'm trying to think of like where I can find a better seat, which seat might be better. And she goes, no, it's not really the seat. It's the desk. It's just a little bit too tall. Go, oh, then why don't you hit the button? She's like, what? I'm like, it's an adjustable desk. It like sits or stands. Go look, here, boop. <laughs> Drops it down. She's like, can the, the, what about the, like, the monitor's still a little bit? I'm like, yeah, look, it adjusts too. She's like, what? It was there. It was available, it was for her, it was designed for that purpose, but she didn't know what was hers, so she wasn't experiencing it. 
God wants you well. But if we don't know it, if we don't take him up on his word, if we don't take him up on his promises, it may all be there, it may be for us, but we can be sitting there in pain because we aren't using what God gave us. Um, God gave us some instructions. I'm gonna go through these instructions really fast and then we're gonna pray for some people because this is what he said. Jesus sent us to heal the sick. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He said, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And there's a whole lesson just in, in that. But he told us to heal the sick. He said, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said that we're supposed to be his ambassadors bringing the kingdom with us. And the kingdom looks like people being healed, being set free, being restored. He, he told us to carry the kingdom. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. He said he will confirm his word with signs and wonders. He wants you healed spirit, soul, and body. So tonight, we are gonna see people healed spirit, soul, and body. Um, I'm gonna open up the altar here in just a minute for those that need healing spirit, soul, or body. All right, it's really soul and body. If you need, your spirit is not right with God, has not been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. If you don't know that you're right with God, I want to give you an opportunity as we start this off because God wants you whole, spirit, soul, and body. We're going to start with your spirit and then we're going to cover um, soul and body up here at the altar. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? If you're here and you say, you know what? I am not right with God spiritually. I need, I, I want to be right with God. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm in a relationship with him. You may know a lot about him, but if, if you aren't right with him, if you aren't in a right relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand. Say, that's me. Awesome. Who else says, that's me? Awesome. Another one over here. Who else says, that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with him on my way to heaven. All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. And the Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead and repeat it for me. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I repent for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.